Welcome to Building Fortunes Radio. Make sure you check us out at buildingfortunesradio.com. Along with our marketing partners, we're here to help our PM Marketing Network Lead customers build their businesses and make the world a better place. At Building Fortunes, we know how much your business means to you and the people important to you. So spread the word, tell a friend, join our newsletter, and go make a difference in your world. Now on to our show with your host, Peter Mingles. Hello, everyone. Peter Mingles here. You're listening to us on Building Fortunes Radio. It's www.buildingfortunesradio.com. For those people that might be uh, listening in and might be unfamiliar with my voice, I started Building Fortunes Radio way back in 2012, the beginning part of 2013, because I wanted a voice to be able to speak about some of the things that were happening in home-based businesses. Um, I I took a little bit of time off from some of the trade associations I was associated with because I found that too many of them were just so one way. And uh, I wanted to be able to talk about all the different things related to home-based businesses. So I kind of laid out for about six months or so and then started speaking with a gal who actually I think is one of the reasons why we're here with tonight's or today's guest, Donna Marie Saratelli, because I think as a result of conversations I was having with Doris Wood, who was the original founder of the MLMIA, um, um, I, I said, you know, I really do have to get my voice back out there. So we, we developed the Building Fortunes Radio platform. And if you go to buildingfortunesradio.com, you'll be able to hear all the different speakers. Well, I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago uh, Doris Wood, who um, founded the MLMIA. I am pretty sure if you look at my DNA of the relationship with Donna Marie Saratelli, um, it's when I met her probably one way or another through um, Doris Wood. I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I I remember it was like way back when, when she used to live in Florida, now she lives somewhere else. Um, But Donna Marie was always one of those people that was really nice, very knowledgeable, focused a lot on MLM and compliance, like rules, procedures, policies, and stuff like that, and really settled in very well with the whole concept of compliance. And, you know, we go through our little phases, if you will. We talk for a little bit, and then we don't talk for years, and then we talk for a little bit, and we don't talk for years. And this is one of those where we're kind of been keeping close because um, of the whole social media stuff associated with MLM. So the first thing I want to do is get out of my own way and introduce Donna Marie. So, Donna Marie, thanks for being here on this radio show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to do the show with you. Thanks for asking me. You're welcome. So I think I was right. Like, I think we met through Doris Wood one way or another, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a long I time ago. So. Years ago. I know Doris introduced us. I do believe that's how we met. Yep. So if you um, are listening in, and Donna Marie has been here before. We've had her on with George Madu, who owns the Network Marketing Magazine, and she's been here a couple of times before. If you go look for her last name, it's Saratelli, S-E-R-R. I think it's uh, Irish, but it's S-E-R-R-I-T-E-L-L-A. So there's yeah. two R's. There's only one T. There's L's and probably enough vowels in that name to be able to almost win a Scrabble game. So Donna Marie yeah. Saratelli, <clears throat> and yeah. she's uh, very well known for the stuff that she does with compliance. So tell us a little bit about your background, and we'll, we'll jump into the other topics, but for those people that might not know who you are, tell us about your background, your level of expertise in this industry. Well, I, you know, I got started accidentally in this industry. I joined Amway like five times. I was so excited to draw the circles when I was 18 years old. And the men wouldn't let me. So I started wondering why that was, and I started investigating MLM. And 
my dad was a criminal lawyer. I, I had that gene in me to investigate, and I started investigating some of these companies that were out there with distributors that had policies and were supposed to be following rules. And I'm a rule maker and a rule breaker sometimes, Peter, but I'm a rule follower. And I couldn't believe what these companies were doing. And I kept saying, is that legal? Can they do that? Is that legal? And then I started working with some of the attorneys in the industry. Ted Lindauer, named from way back when. Oh, wow, yeah, Jerry, forever when. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry Nura from Amway way back when, and uh, Kevin Grimes, and all these attorneys kind of took me under their wing and showed me about the compliance rules and guidelines and policies. And, you know, I, I started looking at it, and I actually thought about going to law school just because I was so intrigued with the whole industry. Um, but... I like doing that little sliver of what I do. Excellent. Okay, good. So, I, you know, you mentioned Ted Lindo. I haven't heard that name for a long time. When I was um, running, actually, part of a network marketing company, he was one of our attorneys. So he was the yeah. MLM attorney. We had other attorneys as well. And he was a gentleman that was pretty well known way back when. Jeez, that's a long time mm-hmm. ago. And uh, Jerry Neer is retired. Kevin, Kevin Grimes, still one of our favorites over here on Building Fortunes Radio. He's great. And he's a good man yeah. as well. So, yeah, great names. Well, so you had great mentors, if you will. I started back in will. 1991. 1991 mm-hmm. is when I started in this industry. Yes, they are um, great mentors. All right. So we're not going to try to do math to try to figure out how old you are. But the reality <laughs> is, is you've got a lot. Of, you've got a lot of experience in this industry. So, talk to us a little bit about. You know, one of the things that we had a common ground with when Doris Wood was rekindling the MLMIA, we were talking about social media. And um, I'm really, like, my background was way before the Internet was really very popular, and certainly before Facebook. Um, And I would look at, like, the social media sites, and I'd say, yeah, I can't believe people are actually going to put all that stuff online. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And I also realized from the lead generation side, because we're still obviously in lead generation, a lot of people are going to go for the free thing. You know, Facebook was going to be free. And, you know, other things like, you know, YouTube was going to be free and the other social media things are going to pop up to be free. Well, there's a couple of things I learned about, you know, speaking. One of the one of the first things you do in direct sales management when you're doing like your testimonials and you're having your recognition meetings is you always hold the microphone. Like you always hold the microphone. You never give the microphone to the person who's going to be speaking because you quite honestly never know what he or she is going to say. And the less experienced they are, the more knowledgeable they are not, and they are going to probably get themselves in trouble. So when this whole social media thing came about, I said, oh, my gosh, we're going to be letting people have microphones, and then we're going to give them recognition, and then we're going to let them do this stuff on their own, and they'll be able to get lights and better microphones and bigger audiences oh, my God, Mm -hmm. this is going to be a disaster. From a compliance, (laughs) this is like, no, shut down their Internet. There should be a clause that if you join an MLM, you can't have the Internet. I mean, it's crazy, but that's so true. (laughs) So that was almost like a prediction that anybody like me could have made. So you don't have to be like a genius to figure this stuff out. You give the microphone to people who aren't trained, and you have a disaster. And then I'll let you kind of comment on that a little bit, but that's why I saw the Internet starting to happen when we let distributors or uplines 
um, have a microphone. So do you want to comment on mm -hmm. what you thought about sure. what was going to happen with the Internet? Because you're old enough, based on your track yeah. record, to kind of been around when that sure. stuff was going on. Well, in the beginning, it wasn't even around. It wasn't even a, you know, a, a point of discussion in the very beginning. And then as soon as social media, Facebook, I mean, MySpace was the one that I learned on, if you imagine. But right. when Facebook came out, you know, all these companies had all these distributors, and they just went on there and said whatever they wanted without any regard for policies and procedures. Um, and once the bigger companies started to realize what was happening on social media and the fact that social media raises red flags with regulators, people are watching. You, you, you know, you can't just put something up there and think nobody's going to see it. So uh, income claims and product claims and lifestyle claims, you know, looking at YouTube, you can find pictures of cars, houses, and everything else you'd ever want to own. Uh, in a little intro of a company. So lifestyle claims weren't even thought about, but they were going on, and those regulators sure were watching for them. Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges, because you want, you know, your distributors. If you're, I'm, I'm sure you do a lot more with companies than with distributors, I'm going to guess, when you're doing the compliance stuff, although you teach distributors compliance. Right, You, you right. deal with companies with their compliance policies. And um, talk to us a little bit about the challenges that you run across trying to educate companies on why they need to have strong compliance. We'll start off maybe with companies first, because I'm sure some companies yeah. kind of take it casually because they're so focused on building their business. It, it's true. Some companies, the money is spent better on marketing and advertising. They don't understand how integral a compliance department is. I always ask people when they say, what do you know about this company? They look them up, you know, go, go to the uh, MLM sites and look them up and read what's on there. Google them, you know, do a little investigation on your own to try to figure out, you know, if a company is in the right space for your time and effort. You know, you can sometimes tell pretty much uh, by their online presence um, what's going on. But companies, uh, unbelievable, the owners, are either 100% on board with compliance and making sure that the distributors live up to their own policies and procedures, or they go the other way. They, I, I was just on the phone with a couple yesterday that said, uh, better to ask forgiveness than permission. And I thought, oh, boy, there's a compliance nightmare getting ready to happen. You know, oh, yeah. people, people don't know. They, they inadvertently make an ad or are now a Canva and they put up the Canva with whatever they want in there, and they don't consider what they're doing could be a red flag for the company. And you know what, Peter, now it's a red flag for the distributor, too. Distributors get in trouble. Yeah, there was recently um, the FTC fined three distributors with an essential oil company. I'm not going to mention which one mm -hmm. it was. But they, mm -hmm. they, def they charged, besides the company, they charged these three distributors, I think it was $15,000 a piece. So they got mm -hmm. their piece from the distributors based on some of the claims that they were making about their essential oils. And um, right. I, think it's, I think it's more sensitive now than ever before, and it will be more mm -hmm. sensitive three weeks from now than it is today with the regulators because the regulators yeah. are really on top of this. And um, there's organizations like truthandadvertising.org, TINA.org, mm -hmm. for those people right. who aren't familiar. 
and there's um, the FTC obviously is a little bit like, you know, they were spanked by this, uh, the Supreme Court uh, a year or so ago. So they were spanked by the Supreme Court and now they're figuring out all different ways to come out with medical claim fines and uh, telemarketing, robocall fines and all these other kind of fines to be able to put MLM companies out of business. So they're kind of like, they're kind of like, they were, they were spanked publicly and now they're pissed. So now they're coming off. Now they're coming after people with a vengeance, you know, almost like mm-hmm. a lover scorn, mm-hmm. if you will, like a sicko. Yeah. Like some of the people at the FTC are just mentally ill. I, I'm going to say it like that publicly. <laughs> they are mentally oh ill. God. I've seen them. I've seen mm-hmm. them on the anti-MLM conference. They're like giddy with like being able to take businesses to court. So uh, it's it's kind of crazy. But um, from from the company side. You know, the company that says, oh, we can ask for forgiveness um, a little bit later on, they are so misguided because mm-hmm. they are so misguided. Because once the FTC comes after you, what we've seen is they'll mm-hmm. take even the most huh, – they will take even the slightest things out of context and as mm-hmm. a soundbite or a clip use that as their main evidence in the trial against the company owners and distributors. Whoops. Mm-hmm. Am I, um, mm-hmm. phone, my phone's just blipped for a second, so I might have to reboot some computers. So we probably won't take a commercial break because my computer's going to be rebooting, but the phone lines are still on. So that's okay. a little bit about what I've experienced with the, um, with, with the regulators. So do you want to talk about um, regulators or do you want to talk about distributors yeah. first? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, was around recently for the penalty offense authority conversation with the FTC and all of this stuff where you're right, the Supreme Court made it difficult for them. Now they're making it difficult for companies because they put out this warning. And, you know, this warning to all the companies that they're going to get on them about situations. And, you know, what we do is we monitor and we try to find the things before the, the regulators find them to be, you know, a red flag. And this whole thing with the, with, the, with the regulators having the right to send a letter and say, these are the offenses that you committed, and this is the penalty, pay up. It, they don't even have to get a temporary restraining order. They don't even have to take you to court. They can put you out of business with the fines that they can give you on these different things that they've said they're going to do. Right. So in reference to those fines, like we're talking about extraordinary amounts of money per violation. Like I think I remember, I think it was like 47, I think it was 47 or $49,000. I think it was 42 and it went up to 50. Wow. I think for whatever reason, I remember it was it was close to fifty thousand bucks. So let's just round it yeah. up to fifty thousand because the math is easy. And they're going to charge yeah. somebody for fifty thousand dollars, not for the one, let's say, violation. We're talking about each instance of a violation, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. how they put. If you remember the company Visalis, they mm-hmm. put basically Visalis out of business because of robocall violations. Some of their distributors were doing those robocalls, and oh, they basically—I yeah. think they—I think they charged them somewhere around eight hundred thousand dollars 
or it was 800,000 or 800 million. I don't remember the number, but they basically got the database from the dialer and they figured out how many calls that they made, which would be oh, considered yeah. for them like robocalls. And they charged uh -huh. them $50,000. We're rounding up $50,000 per violation. And I don't remember what the, whether the number was, I'm sure the number wasn't 800,000. I think it was closer to 800 million. And basically because of that, forced them into bankruptcy or forced them into shutting down. Um, and mm -hmm. whatever, whatever the bottom line was, that's the basic trend that's happening. So for that company owner to say, yeah, we'll just kind of like, we'll, we'll wait until we're tagged and then we'll deal with it later. Uh-uh. Not yeah. in today's day yeah. and age. They're not writing you a letter and say, answer this. They're writing a letter and say, send us a check. Yes. Or else. Yes, they are. It's, and you know crazy. what I feel sorry for is the startup. You know, the startup companies are trying to do the right thing. And, of course, their distributors are going to make some claims that they shouldn't, and we use those as educational, you know, experiences. Let's teach them the right way to do it. But to penalize uh, a company tens of thousands of dollars per offense, and you don't even have to go before a judge. You can just do it. It seems to me that that's just, I don't know, they're, I want to say they're attacking uh, the direct selling industry, but it, it seems to me that they don't want to work with the direct selling industry. They'd rather put it out of business. Right. Well, with the ability to find people the way we're discussing, they can basically pick and choose which one they want to take out. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. there's no there's no network marketing company that I know of that would be able to absorb the penalties that the uh, FTC can find. Because if mm -hmm. you go looking, you know, through now we're not just talking about like penal, you know, occurrences just from today. We're talking about if it was on the internet and it's still on the internet, they're going to be able to use that as one of their ways to be able to put a company out of business. That's insane. I mean, they could literally Isn't put any. Any company they want to add a business if they chose. And um, it, it's kind of crazy that way. Well, as I'm rebooting my computer, we'll have plenty of time before the end of our radio show for me to be able to close up this radio show. We're going to pass on a commercial. I usually run a commercial break somewhere around this time, but because we had a little bit of blip in the uh, electricity and the cables went out and the Internet went out, I'll be able to, like I said, still reboot. We're okay. We adjust pretty quickly here. Well, in reference to distributors, what are mm -hmm. some of the challenges that you run across relative to distributors? Because I know, because, you know, we, I've been a distributor before. You said you were an Amway distributor before. You might have even played around with it, you know, during your career as well. Well, yeah. if you like a product, right, if you like a product, you want to be able to say what the product did for you. If, if, mm -hmm. if you made any money, you want to be able to make an income claim, like I was a profitable business after my first month or, or that product helped me with my whatever – you know, my weight loss or my blood pressure or my diabetes or my medications or whatever. So in reference to the distributors, what are some of the challenges you find about distributors? Because every new one brings that same challenge. Every old one, you know, they probably forgot about compliance. And for some reason, people think compliance is a negative as opposed to maybe a strength for recruiting. So I'll let you speak about that. Uh, yeah, you know, the distributors – the most important thing is common sense. You know, you've got you've to put yourself in the regulator's eyes or really put yourself in a customer's eyes. You know, do you want to be enticed uh, into a, a company because 
somebody made a trip to the Maldives or because they're earning $15,000 a month or whatever it is, common sense should be, uh, you know, paramount in their minds, but it's not. And you've got to know if your company has policies about income claims and product claims and lifestyle claims, you've got to know how to learn those things. And when you speak about your company, put that out in the proper way, or you'll wind up in the compliance department. Somebody will hear you or see you, you know, right now with social media, well, you can't make a sentence without everybody seeing it. So distributors just need to use common sense. They need to learn their policies and procedures. We make a policies at a glance with every single client that I work with. I take that 51-page document for policies, and we make it into a two- or four-page document. That's just the marketing policies at a glance. Every distributor should know those things. They can you know, market the company and the products and the opportunity the right way. Nobody wants red flags, and honestly, nobody wants to be the person that, you know, kicks off the red flag. Think of those those women in that company that, uh, you know, just had to cough up several thousand dollars. Um, you know, you don't want to be that person. You really don't. So distributors, they need to learn what the rules are and play by them. Right. So let's talk about, you know, someone's trying to build the distributorship, you know, the right way, but they're doing things wrong. So now I've been following a lot of the uh, anti-MLM YouTubers, and they Uh find it uh, the way they get their views. And this is sad to say, so I'm going to say this against the anti-MLM YouTubers. Some of the anti-MLM YouTubers are – I think they started off the right way. They they want to be able to save the world, you know. They want to prevent mm-hmm. people from medical claims that could be detrimental to to some people. So now what they're doing is they're figuring out how they can infiltrate a Zoom meeting. And then once they infiltrate the Zoom meeting, then they get a chance to pick it apart. And when they pick it apart, they have their audience, if you will, you know, typing out comments, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff, making snarky remarks, and their viewership goes up, the more of these MLM fails they might do, or anti-MLM fails, depending on how you want to phrase it, and the more of these Zoom meetings that they jump into. So there's a lot of people that do a Zoom meeting, they think they're having it with their downline, or maybe some prospects, and maybe they get a little bit loose in their lips, and they start talking about some Mm -hmm. stuff or they forget about compliance, and they are being tagged. I mean, they are being nailed by these anti-MLM YouTubers that are just picking these people apart, and they just kind of have to identify them. Because, you know, then all of a sudden, that person's reputation is basically, you know, it's it's displayed on the Internet. Um, If you do a search on there, I'm talking about good people. So good people that are trying to do things the right way but probably did something wrong from a compliance thing. Then all of a sudden they're having their reputation shamed. They're having their images all over the Internet. And and they didn't start off that way and they didn't come to MLM to become that shamed person. But that's happening to a lot of people in our industry, unfortunately. And many Mm. of them don't even realize what they're doing wrong. So the worst place to get an education is when you're the, you know, featured image on an anti-MLM YouTuber's channel. So 
the best place to get the education about MLM and compliance is way ahead of time. So let's talk a little bit about that. What do you offer either for individuals or companies to help educate their distributors so they don't get caught in that awkward position of doing something wrong and being shamed on the Internet or worse, being fired by the company that they are, you know, building and mm -hmm. um, loyally building but doing things the wrong way. So what do you offer mm -hmm. for distributors and companies? Well, when I'm working with a client, we do a lot of education. We, we take those policies at a glance and make them into a PowerPoint or make them into a, uh, a movie, and we educate at the corporate events. We'll, we'll teach people the proper way to speak about things and teach them about um, the different things that are uh, regulatory red flags versus a company red flag. You know, in compliance, you have to kind of weigh and measure uh, which, you know, offenses are holding the most water and the ones that really can get a company uh, one of those big fines or get a company shut down are income claims, product claims, and lifestyle claims. Those three things are going to get you in trouble if you're a new company and you haven't been educated to learn about those things. The, um, the things that we do for companies, we're just now starting to come out with a basic level course that we'll be teaching to the general public, you know, to people that are not MLM savvy. Um, when, when they see, uh, you know, that I'm involved in the MLM industry, I get so many interesting questions from people. They just don't know. And I think, I think there might be a lot of anti-MLMers out there because they just don't know the real truth. They don't know how companies provide opportunities for the general public to succeed, and they don't know what is a good company. It, it goes to, you know, finding out what makes a good company, what makes a, a company on good, sturdy, legal uh, foundation. And we have a lot of fun with it. You know, I, I pretend to be the queen of compliance, and I uh, wear my crown and wave my scepter, and we – you know, kid around about the compliance, but we have to make it fun because people just zone out. When you hear compliance, it's like, goodbye. Um, I've gone to speak at different events with hundreds of people before, and heaven help me, they say compliance, and half the room gets up and walks out. So you really do have to um, educate from a good place, and as a distributor, you have to be open to those things because they really are important to your company longevity. You want a legacy company? every one of those distributors needs to play along or it's not going to fly for years and years to come. Right. So we're, believe it or not, we're almost done. That was a quick 30 minutes. So how oh would people God. get in touch? How would people get in touch with you? Um, they can go through my website, directsellingsolutions.com. Um, they can email me at directsellingsolutions uh, at, at gmail.com. Um, but really, uh, if they're interested, I'm all over LinkedIn. I have a great presence on LinkedIn. So anybody can reach me through any of those uh, social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, and YouTube. So that would be a great way for them to uh, reach out to me. And you know what? I think I'm – you know, I always get your name kind of messed up. I know the Donna Marie part is the, the easy part. Then it's Saratella or Saratelli. Saratella. Which, Saratella. Okay, it's within it. So it's with an, a, with an A at the end. Yeah, I spelled it the right way on my description, and I just had a little bit of a, a, a thought process. So if you go to 
Donna Marie Saratella, S-E-R-R-I-T-E-L-L-A, and you go look for her on LinkedIn. That's where you'll see her LinkedIn presence. And it's Direct Selling Solutions um, for the website.com. And then um, guess what? I think that's just about it. I mean, that was quick. We have to come back. I want to talk maybe next time you're back. I want to talk more specifically on social media and some of the things that are going on. You know, we got like, you know, you got the TikTokers. You know, who knows if that's going to still be around, but you got your YouTubers, mm-hmm. you got your Instagram people. And, you know, when you're dealing with pictures like stuff like that, it's super duper s- simple to make mm-hmm. income claims, lifestyle claims, medical claims without saying it. And that's mm-hmm. something the FTC is going after. They're going after those, they're going after those pictures as well. So we're going to make sure that we have her back soon. Sorry for the technical introductions, but we kind of didn't skip too much of a beat with that. And we are done with our radio show. Donna Marie, thanks for being here. And we're going to catch everybody next time on Building Fortunes Radio. She has her own guest spot. So if you look for Donna Marie Saratella on our guests on Building Fortunes Radio, you'll be able to hear the previous radio shows we've been on. And Donna Marie, thanks for being here. We'll catch everybody next time on Building Fortunes Radio. You've been listening to Building Fortunes Radio on buildingfortunesradio.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time for the designated Building Fortunes Radio segment with Peter Mingle. Be sure to check out the buildingfortunesradio.com website for our featured segments. It's been our privilege to have you listen in. At Building Fortunes Radio, we wish you the success you deserve and are willing to work for. So spread the word, tell a friend, join our newsletter, and go make a difference in your world.